am I just wasting my time? Am I going to look foolish? Are my friends going to make fun of me? Are people around me like, dude, that's the worst podcast I've ever heard. You don't know anything about fitness. You don't know anything about nutrition. You don't know anything about this and that. And I said, you know, F them. Screw it. I'm just going to do it. And if people listen, people listen. If they don't, at least I tried. And that was the biggest hurdle for me, just to get over those insecurities and, and insecurities that didn't exist. Let's put it that way. No yeah. one said that they hated it. No one gave, you know, like, this is the worst ever. Your voice sucks. You have, the, you ask the worst questions. You, there's no flow to your show. There's things that I just made up in my head in this delusional world that I only lived in. Hey, what's going on, beautiful people? This is Ryan Turner, your registered dietitian, always here to fuel you. And several times a week, I'm delivering impactful five-minute shorts and amazing guest stories as we explore that intersection between satisfaction, satiety, and biological need. It's all to help you control and overcome binge eating, improve performance, and support your body composition goals. But hey, remember, if it's working for you, your health, your mindset, and your definition of success, no one deserves to tell you different. You do you. Fuel you. Everyone, we have such a treat right now. We have Michael Sue. And Michael Sue is an excellent person to have on right now, and I'll tell you why. Because he has some insight from so many individuals that he has actually talked to through his own podcast. And we're going to get some of that insight right now, but I want to make sure that I preface this kind of for myself, grinding my feet here. I not only want to understand what he knows from his uh, from his excellent content on his podcast, uh, not another fit pro, fitness pro, right? not another fitness, fitness pro, pro. Yep. and uh, but also because he he not only talks a talk but he walks the walk. He puts in. Uh, the effort that you would expect someone that has the interest here in the gym himself. So we're going to get into all that in just a second. But Michael, before you jump in and we start talking about all good things here, I want you to help me introduce you to everyone listening. And I want you to do that by really introducing yourself through a meal. This could be a meal that you cook. It could be a meal that you take us out to. But what would that meal be that really speaks to who you are? It's a great question. Um it's funny because if you ask me that question 10 years ago, it's different than the question I'm going to ask, I'm going to give you today. <laughs> uh, let's start with today. Uh, I am, I learned a lot through uh, YouTube, through podcasts, listening to other people, watching other, uh, following people's Instagram and TikToks. And I kind of came up with my own way, even though a lot of people do it, but I learned on my own kind of before I started doing the podcasting and asking the pros what they, what the right answer is. Uh, I tried it all. So I did the, the right before to go to bed, you have to have this blended, uh, shake kind of thing where you put parsley and ginger and lemon juice and whatever, and you drink that you're going to lose fat. So I tried that. It's disgusting. I stopped after a couple <laughs> of weeks. Uh, I tried the no carb diet. I hated it. Couldn't last three days. Um, I would say the meal that right now would define me is. Generally, it's chicken, broccoli, and rice. I mean, it's one of those basic things where I look at it from a macro point of view now more than I did before in the past. So proteins, uh, proteins is important. Carb intake is important. And fat intake is important. And I know all those three macros, they're macros for a reason. You can't just eliminate one, get rid of one, only eat one. You have to eat all three, in my opinion. Uh, so chicken, broccoli, and rice, oatmeal, eggs in the morning, 
Um, I still have my pizzas. I still have my burgers. I still have my Guinness. I still drink my Guinness. I still do shots of Jameson every once in a while. Not as much as I used to, but I still do that. So um, I feel I like was, as a Phillies fan, maybe more often now. Oh, than- believe me. There are some nights where <laughs> I, I didn't want to, but I just felt that I had to. I felt very compelled that I had to do it just to kind of help me out through those tough losses. But um, yeah, chicken, broccoli, and rice, whole foods, and it's more of an 80-20 split. Now, 10 years ago, chicken parm subs, um, heavy-duty pastas every night, uh, tons of beer, tons of alcohol, Uh nachos, greasy cheeseburgers, French fries, buffalo wings. And this was five nights a week, minimum. And I was doing the reverse 80, 20. 80 was really bad. 20 might've been a salad. And um, I don't eat salads anymore either. I don't order those at restaurants anymore. I stick with whole food. I like foods with substance and not just water. So, um, but yeah, it's changed drastically in terms of my identity when it comes to food, to answer your question. Uh, Is more whole foods related now? Uh, with some indulgence, I never, I learned not to eliminate foods that I like, but it's all about the moderation. And I learned that from talking to people like yourself and talking to other people that I've had on my podcast, moderation and consistency. So you can't just have three, four good days of eating healthy. And then all of a sudden the three day weekend comes and then you're just indulging and getting all those bad calories back into your body. Um, but I'm still eating ice cream. I'm still eating cookies. I'm still eating pizza, burgers, French fries, chicken tenders, buffalo wings, nachos. But I'm also eating lean meats, fish, rice, brown rice, vegetables, banana every day. So it has changed. But for the most part, uh, it changed for the better. But for the most part, it's more of a whole foods type of identity now than That's I have. Perfect. Years ago. So, yeah. I think that defines exactly who someone is when we really sit down. It's almost as evolution, right? This, right. this could end up being this multi-course meal, to be honest, right? <clears throat> Showing who you were at the beginning and kind of like ending on still whole foods, right? right. But it's something that's maybe a little more focused and there's more clarity on why we're actually having it. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting down to that meal. I think it's enjoyable. Right. I think that it would definitely explain to you. So right. I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just one of those things where you, I enjoy the bad food, quote unquote, bad foods more. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I do have that ice cream, I enjoyed a lot more. When I do have that cheeseburger from five guys, I enjoyed a lot more uh, because I don't do it every day. I don't sure. eat it every day. Uh, but uh it still satisfies me. I'm not missing it Monday through Friday. If I'm eating clean, you know, I'll slip here and there, but for the most part, I'm pretty good at with the, uh, with the nutrition part of it now, <laughs> now that I know what I'm doing, uh, it, it took a while. It's not an overnight thing. It took a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of conversations for me to realize, okay, I can change it without really compromising my sanity. <laughs> sure. You know, and here I'm always trying to discover with the help of talking to people that, intersection between those three things that I find that my most successful clients and where I've been most successful in between that that area of satisfaction, satiety, and biological needs. So when you talk about the food that you're talking about, the biological need side, right, where you're like, hey, I'm getting my protein, I'm getting my carbs, I'm getting my fat in there, it's all necessary. The satiety standpoint of just like, I know what I'm doing, it's keeping me full, I think it's definitely important. But I love the fact that you're talking about food that you're gonna remain eating, that you're gonna keep Mm -hmm. in there, whether Mm -hmm. you call it within balance or moderation or whatever you wanna do, but without satisfying foods, it's not gonna end up supporting you. So it's, I I would put you in that category of someone who's finding that perfect um, solution for themselves. And I think it's Mm -hmm. necessary. 
Yeah, I hey, think Michael. that's very important for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Michael, I very selfishly like to ask this question because when I whenever I'm listening to a podcast, I will stop and I will try and like research the person that I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. Where can people find more about you as they listen? I am uh I have TikTok and Instagram, both under the handle name not a fitness pro. Um, I don't do educational per se stuff on there. It's more comedy, it's more for fun, it's more kind of mean type. Uh, posts. Cause again, I'm not an expert. I'm not a fitness pro. This is why I have people like you on, on my podcast, because I, I want to learn as much as I can, because this is a topic that had become a very big interest in me in my life. Uh, and is consumed and going back to the foods, I eat those whole food now. It's with a purpose that I know it's going to do some, it's going to have a heavy impact, a beneficial impact on me because I do weight training. And so I know that that protein is, is needed. I know that those carbs and fats are needed for me to, to, become better in the gym and, and also my whole mental too, but to perform to the most, my most capable ability, I need to feed my body. And so I'm looking at food as fuel rather than kind of a satisfying craving, if that makes sense. I, uh, I still had those cravings. I still indulge, but um, the idea that, okay, if I eat this chicken breast, half pound chicken breast with this rice and broccoli, it's going to help my muscles grow. And that in itself is enough for me to continue to eat chicken, broccoli, and rice. And so that's why I, that's why I do it. Yeah. I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's all, it's all perfect. Yeah. And so you, people could also find you. We've already mentioned it here yeah, on, your, Pro, on your Apple, podcast. Yep. Apple, Apple, uh, Spotify on all different pro- platforms. You can, uh, Buzzsprout. If you just go on there, you could find all the platforms that I, uh, uploaded my podcast to. So yeah, not a fitness pro. That's the handle name you should uh, look for. Perfect. Check it out. And the reason why I think that you are such an exciting person to talk with is because of what you wanted to learn, who you talk with, and it's just out in the open. There's a lot of people that are that are learning the things that you're learning and going through the evolution that you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're but you're putting it out there. You're putting the things you're learning uh, onto your podcast, and it's so necessary because you're like, hey, if I'm going to learn this, I'm going to share it too. Right. My bigger question here, <clears throat> after talking with. Uh, after talking as not a fitness professional mm-hmm. and then talking with other fitness professionals, trainers, clinicians, dietitians, there must be some sort of overlapping best practice messages that you've come across. And I would probably think that some things you've just mentioned previous to this, mm-hmm. that those would kind of fall in there. Mm-hmm. But is there, from the interviews that you've done, talking with all these great people, what has been some of these overlapping topics? Yeah, I would say there's probably two, there's few, but two main ones that I've really taken out of all the interviews that I've done uh, talking with professionals, uh, especially in the diet and nutrition space is number one, all the macros are important. There's not, you know, you need your protein, carbs, and and fat. Like I said, Um, you can't eliminate one and, and continue and sustain it. Like if you, you could do, I I spoke with um, a a lady, uh, coach Tara Garrison, She's based out of Utah. Uh, she wrote a book on keto. I am not a fan of keto. I am all anti-keto. If you see some of my posts, I make fun of keto. And, and I switched it now to no carb because I learned a little bit more about keto. Uh, it's not just like, okay, you can't eat carbs for the rest of your life. But for certain people, I learned that it is beneficial to at least eliminate carbs for, for the time being, recalibrate your body and your internal stuff, and then slowly incorporate the carbs back in. So those are the kind of things that I, that I've learned, but overlapping wise, yeah, those, 
keeping up with their macros is is extremely important. I think they're they're you need to have all three. Uh, number two is um, just the balance and moderation of everything. Uh, you don't you don't have to eliminate. And I thought that that's what I had to do when I first started learning about nutrition. People you hear on YouTube, you got to eliminate sugars, you got to eliminate like carbs, you got to eliminate these bad fats, and to some degree maybe, but you shouldn't. I'm not a big believer in eliminating foods as a diet. I'm a believer of moderation of foods when it comes to dieting and nutrition. Um, getting your macros in first and then seeing what falls into place afterwards. But out of those two, uh, out of all the things that I've learned and the overlapping um, underlying points and themes that I've, I've talked to people about, those two, I would say, are the most commonly used kind of topics or phrases that I've encountered. Got it. Yeah. You know what? I think that it is important to know that all eyes and attention are usually focused on the extremes. Mm -hmm. And for good reason. They're sexy, they're easier, they're quick, all that stuff. But most people, once they become bored with that or they didn't work, they tend to be more moderate and they kind of fall in between most of those. And that is just not the message that, that really sells. And so it's right. definitely hard. But you keep hearing it from professionals. And so you are applying it to yourself. I love this question. When, if you, I don't know, let me ask this. Do uh -huh. you consider yourself at a good point now, mentally, physically with your health? Are you happy with where, with where you're at after you've kind of learned all this? Yeah. Uh, people have asked me that too. Um, what's your state of mind now? Now that you started working out, you started eating better. Uh, let's put it this way. I am definitely happier than I was when I, before I started, I was in the restaurant business. I thought I was happy. I was making money or hanging out, partying, friends, going to clubs, everything, just living like a rock star, eating whatever I want, drinking a ton, six nights a week. I thought that's what made me happy until I started doing this and started working out consistently uh, almost five years ago. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is a different level of happiness. This is more of a clarity happiness for me. I'm not drunk all the time. I'm not hungover all the time. I'm not bloated and then feel kind of groggy because I ate three cheesesteaks, Philly cheesesteaks last night. Uh, it's a different kind of, and so I'm, I, I would say that I'm happier. Now, could I be happier from here? Absolutely, of course. I think everybody can strive to be a little bit happier, but I feel that I'm trending in the right direction in terms of achieving that kind of ultimate happiness uh, where money is not the priority for me anymore. It's, you know, I don't have a lot of it like I used to because I spent it like a madman, but I know that my health is far more important now than, than anything. Because if I don't have my health, I'm not spending money. Even if I have a gazillion dollars, I can't spend it if I'm 450 pounds stuck in my mom's basement because I can't move anywhere and I need assistant living. It doesn't make sense. So uh, getting my health on point was really the turning point and, and learning about it and getting interested in it. Um, it's funny that I hear... And it wasn't easy by, by any means. It's a very simple process, but it's not an easy process. And that's what I tell a lot of people as well, people that are starting out and learning, seeking my advice on how did I get started. Uh, but it's it's one of those where Mike Tyson said it. He said um, his his old coach, trainer, Customato said, discipline is doing what you, what you hate to do, but do it like you love it. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I hated to eat oatmeal and chicken, broccoli, and rice. <laughs> like all the time. It was boring. It had no taste. I didn't know what it was for, but this is what all the big guys do. This is what the bodybuilders eat. So that's what I thought. And I didn't like it, but I, I went in with that mentality of saying, okay, 
even if I don't like it, I got to stick with it. Because how many times have we gone to the gym in the past or for myself experience, uh, personally, I'll join a gym, go two months, pretty consistent. And then eh, there's a happy hour. There's someone's birthday. Okay. I'll skip today. I'll skip tomorrow. I'm hungover. Now I'm skipping today. And before you know it, your month, almost a year, two years out of the gym. And then you start that whole process again. This time I'm like, okay, I'm going to commit myself and I got to stay disciplined. And I think that's, that's the biggest kind of takeaway that I learned. It's going to suck for the people out there. It's going to suck. It's not, if it was easy, everybody would be walking around with a six pack and big arms and, and chest and back, but it's not. But if you, if you can fight through that, the end result is so worth it. And that's how I look at it. And I looked at it now as I've worked so hard the last four and a half, five years. Why am I going to stop now? Why am I going to screw this up now? Now I've learned enough where I can indulge a little bit more in my foods and, and kind of let myself go. I used to track every day in tooling. If I put some ketchup on French fries, I measured it. Like I was that meticulous when it came to that stuff. And I thought that's what you had to do. But now that I kind of have a general idea of how much certain foods weigh and how much protein and, and number of carbs and you know, calories that it takes, it's easier for me, but that process itself was not hard. And you need that discipline. Yeah, for but sure. I had that discipline. Yeah. It's, it's, it gets a lot easier. I promise. You have to give your body what it needs. And there, and there are going to be moments that you're focusing more on satiety than you are ever anything that you're going to be satisfied with. And you're not going to have all a plus meals. Right. Also, when you mentioned that you were tracking, you tracked down to your ketchup. I think mm -hmm. some people might look at that as crazy. Yes. I think some people might look at that as unnecessary. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, I think someone doing that shows how unnecessary it might actually be as part of their end results mm -hmm. or tracking all those carrots that they ate or that salad right. that they ended up making. I think when we end up tracking, I think we we end up coming from a place of, oh, they're doing it to be restrictive. Well, I think it's just you're doing it from a place of education and mm -hmm. understanding, right? So that you understand, oh, wow, I actually don't need that much protein to get to the amount that I actually need. Right. Or you know what, how arbitrary tracking those vegetables or tracking that ketchup is. Or like, oh, wow, when I drink, it's that many calories, right? right. Or what, what happens when you drink? What comes after that? So I think it's all so necessary. These, you know what I want to do? I loved, I love what you said before. And I, I keep having this question in my mind. The question is this. When did you feel you were furthest away from where you are right now? In terms you of my health? Restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Those 10 years that I was in the restaurant business, I owned a sushi bar and uh, a small little dine and takeout. We didn't sell alcohol, thank God. Uh, for my sanity, uh, because then I would be an absolute drunk. Um, okay. But uh, we closed at 10, and then I would go to the bars after that. And those 10 years, I mean, might treated my body like an amusement park. I mean, and when I say amusement, I'm talking about all the foods that come into an amusement park. Hot dogs, burgers, fast food, cotton candy, sodas. I mean, you name it. I had no fear of putting that into my body, you know, because I put a lot worse, unfortunately. So it's Compared to where I am now, I would say that that was probably the lowest point. I ballooned up to like 190 pounds, which, you know, I'm at 175 now. Uh, but, and it's not necessarily the number that got me, but it's when I took my shirt off and looked in the mirror, I'm like, what girl's going to like this? <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of the mindset that I was looking at. Who, what girl's going to even want to come near me if I look like this? You know, and, and I just, it was a wake up call. I moved back to Philly from Delaware and I was like, okay, I just got to get my mind right. I got to get this going like i'm single i can't i want to eventually you know find somebody and and share a life with 
but I need to help myself first. I need to look good and be confident in myself first before I move on and do that. So that was the biggest thing when it comes to like the health part, the nutrition part, the lifestyle part, you look at me now and they're like, there's no way that you party 10 years straight like that, going to clubs and AC going, you know, like ridiculous, a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. I don't regret it, but it's, <laughs> it takes a toll on your body and sure. I probably aged a few years because of that. But uh, yeah, I would say that the 10 years from 1995 to 2005, I'm sorry, 2005 to 2015 was the year, okay. was the 10 years that was really kind of like, like, what the hell was I doing? Looking back <laughs> on it now, you know, if I was watching a documentary about myself for those 10 years, I'm like, yeah, it's scary. So that's, uh, you know, by the way, you were down in Delaware. Where were you in Delaware? Uh, Newark, Delaware, near the University of Delaware. I had oh, a nice. small okay. shop on, on Main Street there. And again, made a lot of great friends, made a lot of, you know, met a lot of interesting people. Yeah. Became a regular at all the bars. So <laughs> that was good and bad at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it would, it would be that, that, that restaurant time period where I had the most fun, but I treated my body like absolute shit. So, sure. you know, I, I, I was, I was restaurant industry for a long time and it's very addicting. Very. Um, you know, it's something that it's, it's fast paced. There's mm -hmm. always something going on, whether it's in the job, outside the job. So it's fun. So it's yeah. definitely hard. I don't, I don't want to get too far away from the idea of how amazing you've been building your podcast and speaking with all these people. But I also feel that part of your evolution story is very much grounded in that. Yeah. I actually want to marry these ideas. This is really interesting. Do you think that someone in the restaurant industry right now feels that if they want to make a change with their health, they have to escape? Or do you think that someone in the restaurant industry from a management position, front of house, back of house, whatever they're going to do, mm -hmm. How could they start to make some of those changes, still remain in the job that they actually love, uh, and see the kind of progress that you've made? I would say, from my experience, when your shift is over, leave. Go home. Period. Don't hang around at the bar. Don't go to another bar with their fellow people that also has done their shift. Doing that once in a while, fun. I get it. But you can't do that six days a week if you really want to change your lifestyle and if you want to get healthy. You just can't. Um, I would say wake up a half hour early and just start walking. I, I tell people that the best thing that you could start doing in terms of, of getting started on your fitness jersey is literally, you don't have to join the gym right away if you don't feel comfortable. You don't you feel, you know, how people are, you know, they don't want to lift because they're not in shape and you see all these guys and girls are in shape and lifting heavy and you're not doing that. So you feel a little self-conscious. Uh, just go for a walk for 15 minutes around the block, up the street and back and start with that. Get some fresh air first thing in the morning. Drink a glass of water first thing in the morning. Uh, before you put anything into your body and start from that, start with the basic, simple things that you hear Yeah, because everybody hears it, you know, eat a piece of fruit every day, eat an apple a day, keeps the doctor away, right? Like simple things like that. You really, if you just start doing that, you'll notice a slight change after a few months or even a few weeks. And they're like, oh, wow. Now, what if I just did this more? What if I started weight training now for 15 minutes a day? I just do curls. I just do dumbbell something. I think that in itself is a, is a huge motivator to get you, get you started. But for the people in the restaurant industry, go home. Number one, go <laughs> home. You don't have to be in the bar till two, three in the morning. You don't have to go clubbing till four o'clock in the morning. Just don't do it. It's a lot of fun. I get it. But if you're really serious about getting your health intact, if you want to do that job for a, a long time, you got to get yourself healthy. Sure. You can't, you can't be drinking five, six nights a week, every week for 20 some years, you're going to hit an age. You're going to hit a time where like, 
you got to stop this shit. It's, it's not healthy. You're going to kill yourself. You know, the amount of alcohol that I was, I was to give in perspective, uh, one bar, just one bar in Delaware. I was told by a, a sales rep, a beer rep that I was drinking a keg of Guinness a month. Wow. For one, from one bar. That and this is, bar, and this is, and, and this is you, Michael, that was Michael's yeah. keg. Yeah. yeah. This was my keg. Yeah. And they, they came up to me after I moved like this and my, uh, my commission went down because I can't, I'm not selling 12 kegs a year <laughs> for the last five years for your alcoholic ads. You ruined so, the, the restaurant industry. In Delaware oh, the whole economy shut down back the whole out, you know, the alcohol economy just shut down in Delaware because I left. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, I would say, you know, you're with food. Don't eat everything that the restaurant serves you. You don't have to eat from that restaurant. Pack a lunch, if you if you're going to be working a double, or you know, order something ahead of time that that you know is going to be relatively healthy. Uh, again, not to do that all the time, but once in a while, just start incorporating those little things one day a week, two days a week as as time goes on. Sure. And I think you'll notice a, a different shift in your uh, in your mental too, because you'll just just be have more clarity when it comes to your life and your job as well. So, yeah, you know, these are these are so great because I think people think they have to uproot themselves completely and they have to have this evolution happen so fast. And mm -hmm. it's just untrue. It's that you do have to make some changes. I call these small levers. Mm -hmm. This was something that I thought was resonating more with my clients as we kind of like we talked about small changes. We talked, you know, we really define it differently, but small levers seem to help people because like if we think about the things, the big levers to pull to really mm -hmm. see change, someone's like, I have to work out every single day. I have to sleep nine hours. I have to make sure I'm eating perfectly. It's like, no, no, no. I mean, some people do and they want to, that's fine. Right. But what are those small levers, right? What are those small changes, those small adjustments you can make? And so stay in the job you love, but there are going to be some changes that you might need to make. And I think working with someone that can actually guide you not only in what to do, but how to consistently do it, I think is just so important. Um, and, uh, those are just really good points. So yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not about fitting yourself into this one lifestyle. You stay there. You just got to figure right. out what's going to work for oh, you. Listen, it's, it's impossible to just drastically change your lifestyle, your eating habits, uh, you, you know, overnight or in a week or even in a month, uh, it's just virtually impossible because you're going to, you're going to, it's going to do more damage than good in my opinion, because you're yeah. going to get overwhelmed with it. You're going to get so anxiety filled because, oh my God, you missed a day. Now my whole thing is ruined. My whole training regimen is, is my whole focus is gone. And, and that's not the case. Everybody screws up once in a while. Everybody misses. I miss two days in a row. Sometimes now I feel like, okay, I got to go back to third day, but you need, you know, it's, it's almost impossible just to flip that switch when it comes to this. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I think it's important that people realize that because if they do get overwhelmed, they tend to kind of stop quit and be like, oh, who, who can maintain this? Who can sustain this? Yeah. But if you gradually build up to it and start seeing small little progress and, and small little things like the way your clothes fit, you know, because you lost a couple of pounds, the way your pants fit, it's easier to button up. You yeah. Know, you don't, your T-shirts aren't as tight. That in itself is should be motivating enough. For like, oh, my God, well, if I do this for two more months, imagine if I can I can go from an XL to a large, you know, if, and, and things of that nature. So it's, it's, a, it's a mindset where you kind of have to start thinking it from a different perspective, but you don't have to flip it 180, 180 degrees. Let me, I want to pivot to you as a, as a podcaster mm -hmm. and someone who has learned a lot, not just for you, but for anyone that is listening to, to your podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about individuals and more dynamic individuals in certain areas. 
maybe in terms of mindset, in terms of more straight scientific literature, someone who's just no bullshit. If you were to think about some of the more dynamic people that you've talked to, mm-hmm. who would you recommend someone that maybe, you know, they they know the macros, they get the calories, they're prepping meals, but you know what? There's just some mindset shifts that they really might need to end up making. And if they listen to someone that maybe you've talked to, or it could be mm-hmm. someone that you've listened to, that you haven't talked to yet. Mm-hmm. As a podcaster, who have you talked with that you thought was most beneficial for a mindset shift? Uh, I would say there's one, there's a few, uh, one that comes out, not to put you on the spot. I'm sure there's many great people. I don't want, you know, the, uh, the inclusion of one person to be the exclusion of others. I don't want to feel like if I don't mention you that you're meaningless, (laughs) it's not that at all. It's, um, uh, there's a woman, uh, in Atlanta, I interviewed, uh, her name is, uh, Nikki Montesanti. Uh, she goes by Nikki fitness on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and she's, she taught me, she told, we talked about macros. And, and like we talked, like I mentioned before, how important that is. And, and she's one of the many that told me how important macros is. But when I, when I interview people, it's, it's the knowledge that is priority, but at the same time, it's the energy that they give off through that conversation. And if that energy exudes through the headset when someone's listening or the Air, AirPods or whatever it is, uh, she had great energy about her. She was, I mean, if you look at her post too, she just, you know, like, how do you not go to the gym when you listen to her type of, you know, and she's very knowledgeable. She's obviously in great shape. She's a WFF uh, diva uh, model pro uh, to something like that. Um, Coach Tara Garrison is another one that I, um, I kind of, when I read her book, the keto book, I got a little bit more different perspective on it. So I learned more about the carbs and and how they can help and how certain people should avoid them for a little bit. But um Katie Cartner, uh, who's a great friend of mine, she was one of the first people to uh, that I reached out to when I first started this podcast last year. Uh, she is more of that lifestyle where she lives a very simple life, sustainable life. She's about recycling. She loves the environment. But the energy and the passion that she uh, uh, exudes through the conversation kind of gets you pumped up. You know what I mean? So people like that, just to name a few, I had a jump rope guy. Uh, for, for, from uh, Virginia beach and uh, from Richmond, I'm sorry, Richmond, Virginia. Okay. And, you know, I like jump roping, but I just wanted to get him on because I thought his posts were interesting and he was doing all these crazy tricks and all. He's a big Marvel guy. He loves the comic books. And he talked about his personal life a little bit and how he helps little kids when they see him jump rope. They're like all in awe and they hold their phones like, Oh my God, mom, dad, I want to jump rope like him. That kind of stuff really like uplifts my spirit. Cause when I hear conversation, like when I hear people like that, okay, there's really good people out there. There's people that take this fitness free. It doesn't mean that you have to lift hundred pounds, 200 pounds over your head. This guy just jump ropes and he's in ridiculous shape, you know, but he has that positive energy and, and a kind of happy go lucky type attitude towards sure. life that that's what like stands out the most. But I would say, yeah, for the most part, um, there's some, I guess that it was just strictly more educational than anything else I would say. But, you know, not to say they were bad because they didn't were like, you know, overly exerting uh, enthusiasm. But uh, but yeah, I would say those three probably uh, off the top of my head. I had a, a registered nurse coach on twice because that was my mom's favorite the first time she heard it. So my mother was a nurse. Uh, and so she kind of was able to relate to her. And so I got her back on 
uh, talking about nutrition as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would say I would say off the top of my head, those probably three or four people that I just mentioned um, are. Uh, it's the energy for me. Like I said, it's hard to, I guess if that makes sense, it's the energy that they kind of, the attitude, the willingness to help people and knowing how important health is that in itself was impactful. Sure. Yeah. So, so basically you're saying that if there is someone that wants to make a change and maybe it isn't so much on the, on the macro side, you get all the kind of basics and the foundation down, you do need a little bit of a mindset shift too. Mm -hmm. And so listening to people with that energy, seeking that out might end up helping a little bit more. Right. I'm more interested in that story of how they got there and what they do Yeah. is as, as well as, you know, learning what their expert in that, you know, what their expertise field of expertise expertise is, but listening to that journey, because I think that's all relatable. If you listen to everybody that I've interviewed, most part, I started out here and in the bottom, and now I worked my way up and I got in shape and I lost weight and I gained muscle. That to me is, is more relatable and kind of gets the the audience to learn, okay, this guy's just like me. This woman's just started out with me, has three kids, need to get rid of the pregnancy fat or whatever it is. She did. How did she do it? But she did it in such a way that is sustainable. And that to me, that's, that's important. So someone, someone's uh, actual experience mm-hmm. has spoken more to you than say someone's credentials, their licenses, that kind of stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. I, th- I yeah. think that, uh, you know, you could be a doctor, a medical doctor and still don't know what the hell you're doing. You know, there's bad lawyers out there. There's bad engineers out there. Uh, you don't know until you actually talk to them and do your homework and do your due diligence and see what kind of person they are listen to, you know, read their reviews, even read their comments that the people leave on their posts, you get an idea of what that type of person is. And those are the type of people that I want to surround myself with and talk to. Because I think there's a lot of people that are similar to that, but just aren't afraid to come out of their shell with it. And now once they hear other people going through a similar struggle, mental health, uh, body shaming, body issues, imaging, whatever it is, oh my God, I'm not alone. And that's the real underlying message that I want to convey when I started this podcast. The knowledge is one thing, but the relatability of people that are between my guests and my audience was another. That's an extremely salient point. I think that if you don't end up connecting with the person or they don't have that story or someone who doesn't actually live what they preach, I mm-hmm. think that's kind of a hard thing to follow that person, right? Right. You don't want hypocrites for sure. Yeah. No, right. for sure. Yeah. Um Mentioning your story, and I'm, I'm always trying to think about how how great of a podcast you've built here and everyone that you kind of talk to, opening yourself up, being vulnerable, showing people, right? If you if you want people to listen to your podcast, you're talking about sharing a story, um, showing your experiences. What was the hardest thing for you to to do to become a little bit more vulnerable and share your own story? Getting over that vulnerability, getting over that kind of... Um... What are people going to think? Uh, to the point where when I first started, like, uh, maybe I'll try this podcasting thing. I like to talk to people. You know, I, I, I'm interested in learning. I like documentaries uh, with certain topics. And then fitness, obviously, being the one where I started getting into. This is probably I started this podcast right around the COVID time. So I was like three years deep into my fitness. And I was really into it. Like, you know, five days a week consistently for three years straight. And it's... It's getting over that, you know, I thought that my voice wasn't going to be good enough. I thought that I had a horrible voice. I thought that people were going to just turn it off after they heard one sentence come out of my mouth because they couldn't, my, my voice might have been 
not pleasant to listen to. And those little things really, you know, and no one told me this. And people actually told me, oh, you have a great voice. You should, you know, I didn't believe them. And I didn't want to believe them. And I was just, I own insecurities. Getting over that was the hardest part. Making my first episode, because I was only talking to myself, because it was the intro where I was describing who I am, why I'm starting this podcast, my, my personal history, getting a little bit deep into and sharing a lot of personal information about me with my, you know, drinking too much, drugs, uh, partying too much, that sort of thing. Getting over that was hard, but I felt after I started doing three or four episodes of talking to people, I felt a lot more comfortable because I think it was more the focus is on them than on me, even though I'm trying to facilitate the conversation and keep the conversation going and answer the questions. But I just, Going back to your question, I just, it was very hard for me to get over, like, are people going to listen? Am I just wasting my time? But am I going to look foolish? Are my friends going to make fun of me? Are people around me like, dude, that's the worst podcast I've ever heard. You don't know anything about fitness. You don't know anything about nutrition. You don't know anything about this and that. And I said, you know, F them. Screw it. I'm just going to do it. And if people listen, people listen. If they don't, at least I tried. And that was the biggest hurdle for me, just to get over those insecurities and, and, Insecurities that didn't exist. Let's put it that way. No yes. one said that they hated it. No one gave, you know, like, this is the worst ever. Your voice sucks. You have, the, you ask the worst questions. You, there's no flow to your show. There's things that I just made up in my head in this delusional world that I only lived in. Michael, and, we, Michael, we call that catastrophizing, right? <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Have you, so out of everything, I, you know, there's this like, I think arbitrary percentage that I've heard people throw out. They say out of everything we catastrophize in our mind, 80% is usually untrue. I agree with that now. Now <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> For sure. Nothing oh, really yeah. negative may have come from it. Let me ask you though, on the other side. You became vulnerable. You decided to do your thing. And in your case, it's a podcast. In someone else's case, could just be going to the gym and they were scared of it. But what else did vulnerability give you? Uh, it, it, it forced me to see things from a different perspective. Meaning, because like I said in the beginning, I was just set in my own delusional negative world that this is normal. This I'm I'm you know, everybody goes through this maybe, or is it just me? Like questioning myself, overthinking. For me to get over that vulnerability and, and open myself up, that in itself helped me kind of get through that hurdle, get through that obstacle, if that makes sense. Um, being able to not give a crap about what other people think wasn't the easiest thing in the world. Uh, posting stuff online on my TikTok and Instagram, like, oh my God, I'm not, okay, I'm not good looking. I don't think any girls are going to find this uh, funny or guys find this funny. Uh, people aren't going to find me attractive. I don't have the best body in the world. You know, I don't have muscle just popping out like some of these guys on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok are look like. Is anybody going to find this funny? Is anybody going to find this amusing? You know, am I going to get any followers? All this stuff was just building and building and snowballing in my head nonstop. And until I stopped thinking like that, I'm like, no, screw it. I'm going to post my first post up. I got my first like, oh my God. It was not from a friend. It was not from a family member. It was someone half across, you know, on the other side of the country that doesn't know who I am, but liked it or commented. That's funny. And I'm just, oh my God, that's it. And that literally was at that turning point where it slowly started to shift. Okay. 
What if I post something else tomorrow and I got two likes, three likes? I got to follow. You know, someone wrote the laughing hysterical emoji three times on my on my post. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, those things really got my confidence up a little bit more than normal. And now I'm acting a fool <laughs> on the internet and with my reels and, and TikTok videos. So uh it, it's 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 a it's a like a blessing and a curse, I would say. Like it, it sucks, but you can use it to your advantage if you really put your mind to it. But it's not easy. It takes some time, but you you can get there. So let me ask you this then. Where could you be even more vulnerable right now? Where can I be more vulnerable? I would say instead of lip syncing to certain memes and certain sound bites, me putting my own voice on those videos, me acting out with stuff that I've written out for myself and using original material. And that's what I'm trying to do a little bit. Uh, I do like a fake press conference. I, you know, put up, I put average like Gatorades and, and certain, you know, protein powders on the thing, make it look like an official press conference. And I'm sitting there in the desk with a microphone. Uh, the best way I, I kind of went over that, going back to your original question about the vulnerability is um, I started thinking of it as I'm playing a character. This is not me per se. This is not all of me, maybe, but this is a specific personality trait or character that I can portray. You know, I, then I had different characters. I wore different costumes or outfits. Uh, but um, that's how I kind of, that was my mechanism in terms of getting over that vulnerability and, and gaining confidence. Like, all right, if they don't like it, they don't like the character. They don't like, it's not, they don't like me. They don't like the character. And that kind of helped me be a little bit more open and less vulnerable to out there. But I would say in terms of being the most vulnerable now is being out in front of the camera, doing something like this. And, and putting myself out there and me not asking the questions on this end, but answering these questions and speaking more than the, my guests would on a normal basis. So uh, being this a little nerve wracking for me when I first, when you asked me, oh, you be on my path. I looked at you and like, wow, he's got so many followers than me. He's got so many more episodes than me. He's got so many more downloads than me. And like, how am I going to compete? And it, it was a little nerve wracking. I'm not going to lie when you first asked me to, but I was like, you know, no fear. Let's just jump into it and see what happens. If he doesn't like it, he, can, he doesn't have to post it. But, you know, it was it was like that. So it was it's baby steps. It took a little while to get there, but you can get there for everybody else. Yeah, I think we all have a spot to start. We all feel vulnerable. What is it that you really hope that your vulnerability coming across on camera, coming across on your podcast, just... um just an audio. What do you what do you hope the greatest takeaway is for someone listening? And who is this really for? I would say to answer your second question first, uh, this is for pretty much everybody that was like me, not in shape, uh, lost, um, you know, wasn't great with girls, uh, wasn't the smartest kid in the room, didn't get straight A's in class. Uh, not the most athletic, but I just wanted to do it. And, and I just wanted to see, this is something that I could possibly, I'm not going to be a professional baseball player. I'm not going to be a professional golfer. I know that, but I can get my body into shape if I really, really try. And that was one of the things where I don't need exceptional talent. I don't need God given talent to do this. I just need to do it now, whatever, however my body turns out, it's my body. Everybody's built differently. 
if I don't get that six pack, so what? But inside, I'm going to feel so much better. So that to answer that second part of that question, um, the first part of the question, I'm sorry, was how, who really? am I? What is it that you feel? So I was asking who who do you really feel like this is definitely yeah. for your your words? Because mm -hmm. it sounds as if your podcast, it's definitely informative. It's definitely mm -hmm. educational. You're definitely leveraging the education, the experiences of many people in the industry and then mm -hmm. even outside the industry too. Uh, but overall, doing something for people too, leaving right. people with something. What is it? What is that lasting impression you hope that your word, your questions, your interviews leave for someone? I want them to feel that they shouldn't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, whether it's to their trainer one on one, whether it's through a Zoom call, whether it's on a podcast, don't be afraid to ask questions. And I, I feel that I like to ask the questions that I think everybody is wanting to know basic questions. I don't need the, I ask maybe the details, scientific, what's the science behind this? What's the big words and terminology that you, but also, you know, are carbs bad? I'm going to ask a nutritionist, are carbs really that bad? Can I still eat carbs and gain and lose weight at the same time? The answer is yes. But these are questions that I think more people are very insecure to ask or don't know who to ask or might feel embarrassed because like, oh my God, stupid. How do you not know this? Or how do you not know that? And we've all encountered people judging us because we might've asked that quote unquote stupid question. For me, and I, 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 taught this to my employees when I had the restaurant business. There's no such thing as stupid questions. It's only stupid if you ask the same question to the same person over and over and over and over again. So for example, I use a simple question. The, you can ask me what color is the uh, wall painted in my restaurant. I'm gonna say it's like wasabi green. You come back tomorrow and to, I hired you and say, what's the color? I'll, I'll say it's wasabi green. If you do it again, now it becomes a stupid question. But the first time you asked it because you legitimately didn't know the answer to it is not a stupid question. I don't know the answers to every question out there. I, the only way I'm going to find out is if I ask. So why not ask? And they're not stupid. So um, I want feel, people to feel that there's no judgment when they listen to my podcast. Like the questions that they would have, they were embarrassed or afraid to ask or couldn't ask or didn't know who to ask. I'm asking for them to a professional and getting a, an easy, simple answer. And that's, that's the main goal of who I want to kind of target in, in that regards. Like I said, I'm not a fitness pro. I'm just like the average person that just likes to go out and lift heavy things and, and learn about nutrition and learn about different workout methods and lifestyles. That's it. I don't have any letters at the end of my name. I don't have CPT. I don't have a RN. I don't have a PhD. I don't have any of that alphabet stuff at the, after my name. I'm just an average dude in their mid forties that just likes to work out and ask a lot of questions when it comes to fitness. So I hope that since other people like me, I'm just the only one that kind of started that podcast to ask. If they ask those questions, that's all. Michael Sue, you are a man of the people. I appreciate that. <laughs> you want to end up helping as many people as you can through your own interests. And I think that I, I, that is that is extremely honorable and probably a lot more helpful than you actually think. I thank you. I I, I like I said, I, I told people if I can help one person, if one person loves this podcast and gave me a preview, it's a win. I did my job. That's how I look at it. And and just impacting that one person to change his or her lifestyle because of what I said or what I asked or what they heard or what they saw on TikTok, that in itself is a win. I don't need the million followers. I just need that one person at least to say, you know what? I learned a lot from what you did and it changed my life. Period. Keep asking those questions. I will tell you as a clinician, as a dietitian, as a, as someone who remains in this space even longer, we 
can easily forget the questions that we need to answer more often. We can end up remaining so technically minded and focused on how do we keep evolving when sometimes the best support that we can give someone is not in the evolution, it's in that foundational type of education, the foundational type of um guidance and really just listening more. So keep asking your questions. It is so necessary. And just knowing that not another fitness pro I'm hoping sticks around for even longer Two I I hope so too. And uh, one thing I'd like to add too, is that when I think another thing that a lot of people get intimidated by as well is um, one, I don't look like those big fitness models. I I don't have a chiseled body, right? When they look at those YouTube videos and these guys are telling you how to eat, how to work out, they already look like that. What I want to do is I want to find out when they look like me, how did they start <laughs> and how did they grow to look like that, right? Those are the beginning stages I think are the most important when it comes to getting healthy, getting stronger, getting bigger with muscles. Uh, and not you listening to the guy, yeah, he's informative, he's knowledgeable, he obviously knows what he's doing, but you're not there yet. And you're not going to get most likely 99% chance that you're not going to get that body. I know I'm not going to get that body that I'm not going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not going to look like Fritz Bumstead. I know that, but at least I can kind of strive to do that and, and work towards kind of just bettering myself. And, and as long as people are get, kind of get lose that intimidation when they see YouTube videos and YouTube and, and TikTok influencers and, and fitness influencers on Instagram, they didn't look like that rolling out of bed day one. Trust me, you know, you see the before and after if they're bold enough to put it, it's they started just like you and me, you know, and they had to learn as well. They just didn't overnight. Boom. I know exactly how to eat. I know exactly how to train. And one month later, I have a six pack doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. So, uh, you know, I want people to feel very comfortable when it comes to that, because this is your health overall at the end of the day. This is your body that we're talking about. And this is your mind that we're talking about. And if you're not happy with yourself and you're not happy being in the skin that you're in, then make some adjustments, but it's doable and you'll feel better. I, I really, I promise you, I guarantee you, if you stick with it and stay disciplined, it will be well worth it. No one walks out of the gym saying, this is the worst hour that I spent in my entire life. <laughs> Period. They totally don't. right. <laughs> I hear you, man. Yeah, no, that is a message I think that we have to keep pumping out there for people. You're, you're a great man, Michael Sue. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. I think that's a great spot to end with because I think it's a great message. Remind everyone where they can listen to this great message from you again. Yeah. So you can find my podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, and a bunch of other smaller sites, uh, platforms. Uh, you could also find me on Instagram and TikTok at not a fitness pro. Uh, if you have any questions and you want to email me directly, if you want to be a guest on my show, I would love to hear your stories. I don't care if you're a beginner or an expert or you know, novice or whatever, uh, you know, Come on my show. You want to talk about your journey? I'm more than willing to listen and uh, talk about it because it's a fun <laughs> thing. So uh, email address is notafitnesspro at gmail.com. So you can be, I could be reached as there as well. But if you're in the Philadelphia area as well, look me up. We'll grab a Guinness. Not a problem. <laughs> Perfect. And I hope to check out your social media soon and see you doing one of those uh, interviews you were talking about. Yeah. I hope that that's coming up. I hope so too. All right. Soon. soon. I promise. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much. Uh, We'll have to have you back on. I so appreciate you and just who you are. Um, But uh, everyone, remember, I'm Ryan Turner, your registered dietitian, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good day.